Nomai Haidemai, and welcome to the Reviving Hope podcast. I'm your host, Bronnie Tressler, and this is a place to find Christian hope for mental health challenges. This episode is key to reviving hope. I am talking with my friend Bron Tate about her life and caring for people with mental health challenges. Bron was both my friend and pastor when I became mentally unwell. Her wisdom was instrumental in my recovery. You can listen to more about this in my first episode. Here we discuss Bron's life, rich with experience, and how this has shaped her pastoral care. So Bron, you and I share the same name, mm-hmm. Bronwyn, Bron, Bronnie. Yeah, That's and uh, we've got the same last initial too. And yes. uh, at one stage, Bronwyn got the credit for fasting when... <laughs> Because Bron T was put on the list and it was actually me who was fasting. But I've got to tell you the truth. I didn't do too well. I think I only ended up doing one meal. <laughs> so could that Bronwyn Tress got the yeah, yeah. press for that. I was a bit worried when I saw my name on the list. Yes. I thought if I say to them, it's not me. Then yeah, then they'll know you're yeah, not fasting. I'm not very spiritual That's either. That's right, yeah. yeah. And then there's the, the two Bronnies, which is kind yeah. of sounding a little bit like the two Ronnies, which yeah. is not really. Well, it only uh, would make any sense to anyone. Who's old enough to. born in the 50s, 60s or 70s. Yeah, because it was a TV show. So I think quite inappropriate too. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think Bronnie Radio, you suggested that. I think that sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, future sessions, Bronnie Radio. Yes, let's agree on that. (laughs) Okay. Kia ora, Bron. I'm so grateful to have this opportunity to meet with you. Kia ora, Bronnie. It's very nice to meet. And uh, you've got a great setup here. And we've just been for a walk around the block to have ourselves all refreshed and rearing to go. Yeah, it's been great. Beautiful day. That's cool. Tell me a bit about yourself, Bron, your family and what you're currently doing. Yeah, I'm married to Phil. Uh, We've been married for 45 years. Uh, I'm 70 so we have, we have been pastors uh, for a lot of that time. I've also worked as a, uh, a nurse, and my last nursing position was as a hospice nurse, um, which I absolutely passionately adored. And I'm still involved in um, being a bit of an advisor for people uh, in medical things because it's still my passion. I still do lots of reading and researching and yeah, I think I was born to be a nurse, mm-hmm. um, and I loved the church, so I uh, felt very privileged to work in the church. We shifted back to Christchurch two years ago, back to the church that we were in, where we were the assistant pastors to Dave McGregor and Liz, and we've kept this wonderful friendship with them, and they very graciously said they'd like us back on staff and in a part-time role. And our role now really is just to be to be around to help sometimes with complex pastoral situations to preach. We also have a role in the network, in the vineyard network, just being a bit of a mum and dad to the pastors and visiting them, speaking in the churches, talking to them, uh, talking to their staff. And so for us, it's just absolutely ideal. Mm, that's great. Bro. Three sons. Uh, Nicholas, who's the oldest, 
He's a pastor and he planted a church in Palmerston North, a vineyard church. Gregory, who's one about 17 months younger than Nicholas, and he is profoundly autistic and he has been in care since he was 14. And then Matthew, who's 36, who lives in Christchurch with his wife Bex and their two gorgeous, our gorgeous grandchildren, mm. um, Naomi and Pete. We've also got four gorgeous grandchildren um, through Nick and Amy and uh, Hannah and Johnny and uh, Matty and Lovey. And That's we love neat. them all. That's the joy of our lives, our grandchildren. That's great. They are a gorgeous family that you have. Bron, tell me, how has your childhood influenced how you are today? Oh, I think our childhoods influence us so much and they form a lot of who we are. But I guess the rest, like you spend, say, 20 years at home, it was 17 years for me. And then uh, I think you go into the business of sort of working through um, issues you may have had in your childhood, even if you've come from a very good home. Um, until I came to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and Lord, uh, there was so much stuff that had been pushed down in my life. Um, we had a difficult childhood. Um, mm. My parents divorced when I was very young. Uh, my mother really loved us. But she also had a lot of brokenness and went into other relationships, which made life difficult for us. And there was a lot of drinking in our home. So um, I was pretty feisty and I would, you know, truth has been one of the things that um, I'm perhaps known for. And part of me, I think, you know, as long as I'm, I think I've learned over the years to speak grace and truth. Um, because actually not not sharing truth with people is actually letting them down quite badly. But you certainly need to do it with God's love and grace. And yeah, you have to you have to be sensitive as to when is the time to share that, and if they're even ready to hear it. Um, so it takes a lot of navigating and learning and mistakes usually to learn these things. And I feel at seventy, I'm still learning and learning about the goodness of God. And I still feel that, um, you know, I usually do an inventory at night. And it's not that I'm feeling bad about it, but I just want to keep my heart soft about mm. the conversations I've had, the actions, the thoughts, and just like, oh, okay, maybe that wasn't quite necessary, or, oh, that was great, or, you know, it's it's a mix. But I think it's a wonderful thing, you know, it says in the scriptures to examine yourself and that doesn't mean to be scrupul scrupulous and, and criticise yourself, but just to be aware of your reactions and like, why why did I feel like that? Am I envious or uh, what's what's the thing that has caused that reaction? Mm. And get a whole lot of um, inner truth, really. Uh, that is, and it's not just my truth, I mean truth according to the scriptures. Yeah. That's great. And you're very gracious, Bron, and I think you really help others to look at those things, but with a very, you're just that real gracious lens on life, um, as well as the truth, bringing both those things together. How did you come to faith and how has Jesus changed your life? Well, he's changed it absolutely amazingly. I was 25. 
I had no Christian background. Uh, there was no church in our family. My mother was an avowed atheist. And uh, so that wasn't part of our lives. Um, and when I was 25, I'd been to Europe. I, I had been in Australia, done my nursing training there, been to Europe, came back and felt this incredible emptiness. But I didn't know what it was. And for the first time in probably yeah, seven, eight years, I wanted to go back to New Zealand. I actually went to Australia, I think, to sort of distance myself from some of the shame I felt about my childhood. Isn't it interesting that as children, we can feel shame about what our parents do? Mm. And um, I felt a lot of shame about my childhood and that my parents drank and you know, the the house was always untidy and the lawns were always high. And um, I felt embarrassed about that. And, uh, yeah, there were just some things like that that I really just wanted to go and make a new life. And it was very exciting. I did my nursing training in Sydney. I had lots of wonderful friends, still got friends there. I love Australia. I love the Australians. Um, and uh, came home from Europe and suddenly I had this longing to come back to Wellington. Came back, saw my family, thought I'll go straight back, get another nursing job. But every time I went to make a decision, I just could not make the decision. And um, then I got in touch with an old friend um, who we'd started our nursing training together. And she announced to me that she had become a Christian which I thought was very strange and um, couldn't understand it because we'd actually been party girls together and had lots of fun. And um, But I repeat, I, we ended up working together uh, at one of the Catholic hospitals in Wellington and as nurses. And uh, over that six months, I, I f well, I know now I was being drawn by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And... Um, she, I went from don't talk to me about it to my mother had also had an amazing conversion in the year or so before, so she was praying for me, uh, to you can talk about it but I won't answer, to ans answering questions and to defending her to my flatmates who just thought, wow, who is this person, you know. Um, and on my 25th birthday, we went out to a Greek restaurant and I asked her to come and she came with her little bottles of lemon and pyro, which I thought was fairly pathetic. And <laughs> um, and sitting there with a group of people in a Greek restaurant in Wellington and everyone had had a few drinks and it was as if, to me, like the lights were turned on and I looked around and I saw the emptiness in this in the way I was living and I heard a voice. It was audible to me saying, this life is not for you anymore. You belong mm. to me. And I went out to the bathroom and I, I had no concept of who Jesus was, of who God was. But I went out to the bathroom and I said, if that's you, God, speaking to me, I'm not ready, which I'm amused at now <laughs> when I think this is the creator of the universe. But I had no concept of that. And he is so gracious and wonderful with us. And after that, I felt like this invisible thread just drawing me. And my friend asked me to go to an evening at her house with some of her church people. And I said yes, but wasn't planning to go because I thought they were all very old-fashioned and nerdy. 
And uh, but because I really loved her father, and I rang once, and he said, "Oh, you are coming, aren't you, Bronnie?" And I just couldn't felt I couldn't let him down. He was just the most lovely man, and if you had to choose a father, I would have been choosing him. Mm. And I have seen what a wonderful uh, difference it made in her life having such a wonderful father, and she was very, always very secure. And just that incredible thing that we get from fathers. But let me encourage you, if you didn't get it from your father, I've certainly got it from my heavenly father. Mm. And I went to this meeting. There was only about 10 people there. And the one of the girls spoke to me and said, well, why wouldn't you be a Christian? And I said, I wouldn't want to be like my friend. She tells everyone it's embarrassing. And she said, oh, you wouldn't have to be. Like her, and I don't know how it happened, but by the end of the evening, they'd had me recite the sinner's prayer. <laughs> um, and I was so like when I had to say I'm a sinner, I actually laughed because I had no concept I was a sinner, and I just I found that weird, but I said it and um, stayed the night at her house, woke up the next morning, honestly transformed, and couldn't believe it. I mean, I still didn't fully understand. Went to church with her that day, went up the front. Um, they all sort of gathered around, prayed for me. You, you know, I thought, oh, this is this is strange. People were speaking in the, uh, speaking in the spirit, which is praying in tongues. And But it, for a strange reason, it didn't bother me. And I think, you know, there's that whole thing that you're attracted, you're repelled, you're attracted, you're repelled. But I think by this stage, I'd crossed the line. And I was more attracted. And within a week or so, I had the baptism, was baptized in the Holy Spirit, um, had had prayer, uh, was praying the Spirit. And it's just, that is 46 years ago. Wow. And have been passionately in love with Jesus at times. And it's like a marriage. Sometimes you can feel a bit, you still, you know, you love your husband, but you can feel a bit indifferent. And I have certainly been guilty of those patches and having to draw back towards God. Um, mm. And uh, and it's it has to be intentional, uh, you know, get out the scriptures, listen to teaching, uh, pray. And um, but we've had the most wonderful life mm. as believers. Yeah, that's great, Braun. What were some of the challenges for you raising a family? I think because I was quite broken from the childhood I'd had, which was one where you never quite knew what was coming next. We weren't hit or had violence, so we didn't. Um, fortunately, we never had any sexual abuse. My parents used to have drunken parties. That could have happened, but it didn't happen to me. And um, I think... I was just so insecure. I had anxiety. Um, I used to worry about things. I used to worry about the children. I, I was a very nervous first-time mother, even though I was a very competent and capable nurse. Um, I think having someone so dependent on me frightened me. Mm. And I had some really quite awful bouts with anxiety. But in those days, no one spoke about it much, so... I would tell Phil, but I wouldn't tell anyone else. And they passed. Uh, there were patches and they passed. Um, we had three boys, 
Gregory, our second boy, was diagnosed with autism when he was about three and I was already pregnant with our youngest son, Matthew, who's now 36. And that really undid me because I was already insecure and you know, already had quite a wound of rejection. And then having a child that you felt people would reject and in doing so, reject you, that was huge for me. Um, and it was just incredibly difficult day to day. He has profound autism. Uh, I just want to say that because there's such a spectrum now and, um, you know, uh, and a lot of people are having diagnosis and things, but Gregory is profoundly autistic. He has very little language. It's telegram language. Um, he can't care for himself. He couldn't uh, wash himself or he can dress himself, but it's an interesting uh, look, you know, <laughs> upside down, <laughs> Some, you know, all sorts of insides outs. But he can do those basic things after years. He doesn't read. He doesn't write. It's hard to know what he's thinking, but, you know, we're very thankful that he can make his needs known. He, and his needs are majorly food. He loves food, yeah. like all of us. But he's not embarrassed and he's not trying to make out that he's hardly eating anything. So in, at any stage, if you ask him what he's thinking about, he'll name a meal, <laughs> which is a lot more honest than most of yeah. us because I'm already planning my lunch. <laughs> so they were difficult years. Uh, difficult years because we were, I think, because we were believers. People in the church didn't understand. They were kind. But people, it, I mean, this is 19, he was born in 80, 82, 82, yeah, 82. And really there was so little knowledge around, it was still kind of believed it was the mother's fault. Mm. Yes. Is that right? Yes, there'd been books written by a guy called Leo Kaner who named it as a cold and distant mother. And Gosh. Yeah, and so another insecurity was opened up in me. I think feeling so vulnerable and so desperate and, of course, you're dealing with the behaviour, um, which none of it he could help. He was doing the very best to cope, um, has made me very understanding, I believe, of people um, who struggle with their mental health and with the relatives of those mm. Uh of having adult children or children or brothers or sisters, mothers, fathers, and um, and a lot that has given me a lot of compassion of how the mind directs so much of our behaviour. And when your mind's unwell, your behaviour's unwell. Mm. Yeah, we see that. Well, mm. I can testify to that. <laughs> That's good, Bron. Yeah, yeah. I think it's quite. Um, notable how your compassion and empathy in that area has come from a depth of suffering as well yeah yes I, I, I'm not sure if we can learn some things without suffering you know mm. um, some people uh, have this incredible you know haven't been through anything like that or been in contact with anyone but they have incredibly compassionate hearts um but I think it just made me aware of just how desperate people can feel, really, because mm. I felt very desperate at times. 
And um, and some of the things that come into your heart when you're desperate, you can feel very ashamed of. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. You have worked as a nurse for over 30 years and you've ministered as a pastor mm. for a lot of years as well. God's gifted you, Bron, in the areas of Bible teaching and pastoral care. What's given you the most satisfaction in your caring roles? In Probably now I get the most satisfaction out of doing my pastoral care through my preaching. Mm. But the years before, um, I think I got a lot of satisfaction out of one-to-one, talking with people, helping people in that way, walking with people. That has been very, and I've always had a tremendous um, compassion for people who have um, lost someone to death. And even when I was very young, I had that and have always somehow been able to empathise and um, keep thinking about how they must be feeling. So that's what drew me into hospice work because I felt it was such a privilege to actually travel, to journey with people who were dying, to journey with the relatives and to be involved in the grief process after death. It's mm. amazing. We're privileged to journey with people in that way. And I know, Bron, you have, not just as a hospice nurse, but also in the church, have played a really key role in many families' lives as they have um, had a loved one who's dying. And being able to, I think that your nursing background has made you an exceptional pastor. You know, you bring things to pastoral care that... Mm. You know, that special knowledge of a Mm, nurse mm. and skills, um, people care. Mm. Yeah, I think it's an amazing thing that you've brought to so many churches over the years. Yeah. Bron, there's so much that we could delve into, and we will over coming episodes. I know that you have much wisdom to impart to others who are struggling themselves with Mm. mental illness and also for those who are in caring roles, maybe who, Mm. like you say, have a son or Mm. daughter or brother or sister um, or a parent who's not well. And, yeah, I really look forward to those conversations. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a lovely scripture in 1 John, and it's uh, John speaking to one of the elders of the church, and he says, uh, if you look at all those letters to the churches, there's so much care and love that comes from the writer of those letters. And they, and he says, I pray that you would be in good health even as your soul prospers. And I think for me, I'm very passionate about us doing soul work mm-hmm. and dealing with um, the hurts, the rejections, the wounds in our lives. And that can be through... Um, prayer, that can be through reading books, that can be through going to courses, that can be through uh, going to counselling, psychologists, and um, and also the main way we get healed is by getting close and staying close to Jesus. Mm-hmm. When you are not so healed, it's hard to get close to Jesus because you feel unworthy. And just to encourage you, if you struggle in this, Try five minutes just sitting in peace, 
no distractions, and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you through how to have intimacy with Jesus. Mm. And, um, you know, he longs to minister to us. He longs to hear. You know, I for years being an extrovert, I would talk to everyone else before I'd talk to Jesus. <laughs> but over the years, I have realized that Jesus is my best friend. It's wonderful to have friends. They can support and encourage you. They cannot heal you. Only Jesus can heal you. Mm, that's really great. So true. A great note to finish on, Bron. Uh, I'm just, yeah, so grateful for you in my life and for all that you can share and gift to others. So, um, yeah, thanks so much, Bron, for coming on the podcast. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. That's great. Matewa. Matewa. Namahi. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope that you are encouraged. If you know someone who could be helped by what you've heard, please share this episode with them. Do subscribe if you haven't already. And if you'd like to know more about episodes, you can go to revivinghope.life.